Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators, friends. I'm joined today by my regular co-host, Miguel, and we have a special guest today in a teammate that I've worked with for a very long time, like a really long time, right, Danny? Long time. We have Danny Stewart, who is our editor, our content extraordinaire at ConvertKit. She's been working on our blog for like five years, I think. You've been owning it, right? Yep. The owner of our blog, mm-hmm. something like that. And our blog in that time has gone from Danny being the one to like plan and write everything herself or maybe get help from other people on the team every now and then to write a post to now these days, there is a team of writers who works on our blog. Danny's even hired a blog manager to manage that team of writers. And she's really taken it from a blog to an online publication. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get Danny's advice on this, hear what she's learned along the way. This blog for us, this online publication drives a lot of traffic to our site. And um, I know that's something that a lot of creators use their blog for as well, right? Is to get that SEO juice and drive people (laughs) to read the content and then, you know, move on through the funnel. So yeah, I know that there's a lot of great advice you can share, Denny. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, before we get into that, though, we should jump into our first segment, which is Have You Heard, where we share some news and some updates from the happenings in the creator economy. Do you want to kick us off, Miguel? Yeah, sure. So, um, One thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, Instagram is introducing like these special tags that that will eventually help bring black content creators some more recognition. So it announced that it's trying to get people more credit for their content. Mm. The article that I was reading about this was saying that so from one study, like 41 percent of white influencers earn one hundred thousand dollars or more versus 23 percent for black social media influencers. So obviously there's a, a big, Boo. big difference there. So in, in an efforts to do something about that, there's actually a team, it's a, a couple of, of black women on Instagram's team that wanted to do something about this. So this is their answer to that. And they're hoping now that they'll help them get credit for the pieces of content and their contributions that can be traced back to their accounts, which of course gives them more opportunities for people to follow them and then grow their audience. So I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Nice. I guess there was an issue in like content being taken and shared from, you know, different accounts, which is often what happens on Instagram, unfortunately. So I like this, that they're yeah. trying to figure out a way to make sure the credit stays with the right folks. Yeah. Cool. What do you got? I have a piece of news from Apple Podcasts and like, I don't know, anyone out there who has a podcast will know that metrics surrounding podcasting, it's like a black hole, basically. You're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I guess there's some people listening. You kind of get this overall like listener number from whatever service you use to host your podcast. But Apple Podcasts is trying to make some improvements here in opening up metrics a little more so that creators can see a few more details on who follows them. From an article on 9to5Mac about this, they say that in the analytics tab on Apple Podcasts, creators are going to be able to see followers per show and like measure followers across shows as well. That's cool. And that, um, yeah, they're going to be able to see new followers too. So like who is literally following you on Apple Podcasts? That's something that up until now, we just haven't had. You can make guesstimations by seeing how much traffic is coming from Apple Podcasts and how many downloads am I getting per week. But yeah, it's great that they're opening that up because I've never understood why that is so like secretive for some reason for podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with these big tech companies, they're always really, really like shy about sharing any kind of like mm. information and analytics because people can extrapolate those numbers and like 
use that to like make inferences about the business and like, you know, how podcasts are doing in general. And so I feel like they just like to hold all the cards so nobody can say anything about anything. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So that's cool that Apple are changing that. Yeah. Anyway, enough about the news. Let's talk about Danny and online publications. <laughs> Let's talk about me for a while. Yeah. yeah. My favorite topic. <laughs> Maybe, Danny, we can start with what do you think the difference is between a blog and an online publication? I think a lot of it could just be intent. Hmm. When you think about an online publication, a professional creator with a like a blog could be doing a lot of the same things. They could have a lot of writers. They could be publishing multiple types of content. They could focus on design on their page. I think the main difference is publication timelines. Mm. I think an online publication is like a monthly or a quarterly thing, whereas a blog, it's one thing coming out over and over and over again. But that one once a month has multiple things coming out at the same time. Gotcha. Mm. So with that definition then, is ours a blog or is it an online publication? Currently, it is a blog. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I think when I took over Tradecraft, it was a publication because we were doing Tradecraft guides. And that was always meant to be a short term. This is the curriculum for a creator to start earning a, a living online. And once we hit two years of doing that and we had hit kind of all the basic things, we didn't really need to make guides as much. Every now and then one comes out. P.S. A YouTube one just came out today. Ooh. Oh. But we haven't published a guide in probably at least six months. So we are currently a blog. A blog that also has an online publication aspect to it, it sounds like. Yeah. You can download a guide that feels more like a magazine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think the way we run it is more online publication with like layers of managers multiple people working on the same thing. Let's talk more about that. I would love to hear more details on that side of things because you just said that the way we manage our blog is more like an online publication. How does that all work? What is the process that like a post goes through on our blog? The process is extensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we start with like little baby ideas of what we want to write about. And that comes from like product needs, business needs, and creator needs, you know, what, what are creators trying to learn right now? What features do we have coming out? What are we focusing on as a company? Is there like a specific creator type we're wanting to work on for a little bit? So we kind of like pull all those ideas together and start fleshing them out a little bit more. So once there's like a really solid article idea, a brief is written, and then it's assigned to a writer. That is where my blog manager comes in. So okay. She's a new blog manager. So we're figuring out this whole process right now. And she's tightening up the ship and it has been so nice. (laughs) She and I both are going to start working on ideation together. And then she takes that. She writes the brief, assigns it to a writer. Originally, we were doing outlines and having to approve them. But our writers have been with us for a really long time. And there's like really serious trust. The editing of timelines or outlines never was extensive. There might've been like one comment every now and then. So we're cutting that. So we're not going to approve their outlines anymore. They're just going to send their first draft. Mm -hmm. Then that goes through editing. At the same time, an imagery brief is written after the article has been edited. And that's basically just going through, like we need a feature image. We need social images. We need carousel images. And these are all the images in the article. And that's given to our designer. 
And then while that's happening, the writer is tightening up any big edits that we had. If they're little edits like comma here, I changed one line there. We're cutting that back and forth out. So my blog manager does that now. But if there's extensive edits, we give it back to the writer. They work on that. We bring it back. At that point, it's handed to our content admin who takes the doc, puts it into WordPress, gets all the imagery, puts that into WordPress, sets up UTM links for social. She sets the social up. At that point, once the article is in WordPress, all the imagery is done, the social is set, my blog manager looks at it all, makes sure everything looks right, the CTA is correct, images aren't like blurry or like weirdly spaced out in WordPress. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's ready to go. But we've gotten so far ahead that it generally doesn't publish for like a month after that. So our articles sit ready to go for almost a month, which is beautiful. Yeah, that is great to have that buffer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a fine wine. You got to let them age, you know, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) This blog post has been aged for a month before release. (laughs) (laughs) It's got some notes of oak. Yeah, it's got some good legs, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing I've always been curious about, like blogs in general, is, um, you know, some people might be creators for the sake of being a blogger. You know, that's what they do. Their business is blogging. And then there's also people sometimes use blogging as something to kind of sort of maybe flesh out a different part of their business. So kind of like Mm. using it as an outlet for like giving you a a look into what a certain business is doing or what they're paying attention to, to kind of like signaling to fans of theirs, like this is what's going on. So for an example, there are certain like, of course, woodworkers that I follow, but in addition to the content that they put out on social media and the videos and the how-tos and the reviews and all that, they also pretty regularly, some of them decided that they want to do a blogs. And then they all do like either sort of sort of like short to medium form blog content where they kind of like go at length about something. So I was wondering like what your take on that is like when businesses decide to do blogs, even if the blog isn't the point of the business, like what are some of like, why would a business decide to do that? Because I mean, it's a lot of work. So yeah, it's a lot of work. I think a lot of it is just giving your audience another type of content to access. Mm. Not everybody learns the same way. So one person could take this YouTube video and watch it, but they another person doesn't have time to sit and watch something. They need to listen to it on a podcast. Some people don't like that and they only learn by reading. So it also needs to be a blog post. So I, I think that's kind of the main thing. Also search intent, just giving Google another thing to scroll to find your name somewhere is always nice. Mm. Yeah, Google, that hungry beast. I didn't think about that. (laughs) Mm Got to feed that beast. (laughs) Well, while we're talking about like reasons to have a blog and things, I'm curious to hear from you, Denny, what you found some of the benefits to be in outsourcing help for the blog. Because obviously now ConvertKit as a business is at the stage where you're not just writing everything yourself. What have been some of the benefits to turning it into a bigger project? Because There might be a lot of creators out there who are feeling like they want to make this leap as well. That like, okay, I'm the one writing all this right now. It's really helping my business, but I need to put my time somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. What are the benefits been for you? Number one, burnout. Mm. I was writing three or four articles a week to make those tradecraft guides completely. And that's just not sustainable for the level of research we were doing. It's just not sustainable. So avoiding burnout, number one goal of hiring more people. Number two, getting more points of view 
into your work mm. is really nice, especially for the work that we do while we're so focused on creators. Like, I don't want to be the only point of view. So I, we want more creators like feeding into it, even though like I'm managing the style of how they say things. And I want, I want things to be cohesive. They're still adding their own spin on it. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And then for me personally, it's just freed up more time to do more, more things that help convert kit in general, like being able to talk to different team members about like what they're experiencing, what they're hearing from creators that feeds into article ideation, which I wouldn't have had time to do. Mm. I get to focus on bigger projects like our creator economy report. If I was writing everything, there's no way I could have yeah. been a part of that project. And then I just get to do fun things that aren't even like important to my particular role. Like technically I'm an associate producer for our documentary series yeah, because I, I edit a skeleton view of the films and it's, it's just one small part of it. But like, I don't have to be doing that. I just, I like doing it and it makes, and it's a fun thing for me to do. So not having like all of my mind, like in the weeds of like such uh, tactical strategic stuff, I can like free my mind to do more fun things. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Yeah. I could see creators getting that benefit as well. Yeah. 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 yeah we talk a lot about like, um, at what point does a creator get to just be a creator and not somebody that's like mm. running a business and, uh, you know, running their social media and looking at the data and making inferences and tweaking things. And like, at what point do I just get to do the thing that I like to do yeah. and not to do all this other stuff to try and like, you know, cause it's at the end of the day, something that's trying to make money, but it's so cool that you get to do something just because you like it mm -hmm. and having the freedom to like back away from like the daily grind. I mean, three a week sounds Insane. Yeah. It was impossible. I was burning out very quickly. Yeah. But well, how do you feel though now that you, I mean, do you ever write blog posts yourself now? I do not. But you're like, you're a writer, you know, that's like, that's a big part of you. How does it feel to not be the one writing the post yourself? Do you ever miss it? I do not. <laughs> I think where my like just life stage has changed yeah. since I've been at ConvertKit, you know, I've had two kids since I've been here. I was like very newly married. That creativity that I had to force into my job, I can expand it into my life now. Whereas my my job has become more organization and like making sure things are running smoothly. That gives me more time to do things for me personally that like I would have just been like brain dead to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't mind it. And and it I still write for myself. Like I journal. I, yeah. I get those creativity like bits in where I can, but it's not my job anymore. And that's, it's been nice because I've been writing since I was like 17 for a job. So it was time to, to change. The way you're like, what I'm hearing in that sounds very similar to how I felt about giving up being the one to edit my videos for the most part. Like when I started out on YouTube, that was a big part. Like I love that part of the process. That was part of like finding out what was my video style? Like what, what did my YouTube videos feel like? And I was doing it all myself, but then I started to burn out on that as well and was surprised to find how much giving that side of the process up, I did not and do not miss it at all. And mm -hmm. it's like, great, I can have talented people working on this thing. The needs can be met and I can put my focus in other places, like you were saying, Miguel, onto the things that I actually prefer to be creating. Yeah. Yep. Well, what's been the most difficult part of making this shift from turning it into like, well, we're just doing a blog that Danny's writing it all herself 
now we're treating it more as like a publication. I know now that we are releasing articles every week again, but the team is a lot bigger. It's still a pretty big like production maybe is a better word to use for it. What can professional creators learn from you about this? Yeah, I think like an underlying fear I always have is the people that I trust who are doing such a good job are going to move on and do something else. Mm. So the hardest part is like finding people that you trust. Mm -hmm. Like all our writers, 100%, like give them an idea, they can do it. If we lost all of our writers, finding people that I trust that much again will be so hard. You know, we recently hired a new blog manager. Our last one moved on to start his own company and I'm so proud of him and it's going so well. But I was like, oh no, how am I going to find someone that I trust like you? Like I put so much trust in you and we found someone like it's been amazing. But I definitely think that's always like the hardest like fear that's in the back of my mind. Like what if we lost this person? I would have to go back to doing all of this again. And it's a lot to do on top of everything else. Yeah. And that's the hardest part of I mean, trusting people. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to hear how much that affected you when, yes, this is the publication and production you own for ConvertKit, but it's not your personal brand mm-hmm. standing behind it, you know, whereas for a creator, that might be the case. And yeah. like that trust is still a problem either way. That's the hard thing to get past. Yeah. And then just like, at this point, I'm kind of just like a project manager. Mm-hmm. So if you're not organized and that's not how your brain works, learning that skill is really hard. I've tried to teach it to some people and it's not for everyone. So if that is something that a creator's trying to do, like it might take a while for you to figure out how to organize, how to project manage, how to make sure tasks are getting done at, a, at like a good schedule so that you're still creating the type of content at the pace that you want. Yeah. When a creator is flirting with the idea of we've, we've talked and we, we've had actually like VAs on the show before. I think we had Charlie's VA mm. before. And so when you're flirting with the idea of sort of like, okay, I'm going to start backing away from doing everything and I'm going to start being more managerial and maybe hire on some help. Like trust is obviously a huge part of that. And, you know, you start building something with the assumption that certain things are going to stay the same. These people are going to be here. I can count on these people to do the thing that I asked them to do. And I can do something else, assuming that that's going to get done. And whenever that stops being true, then that totally disrupts everything that you're doing, because now you've got to pick up the slack of the person that's no longer there. Have you ever had to go through something like that in in managing this stuff? Like it's derailed your kind of like what you thought you were going to do. And you're like, I have to step into the shoes of somebody else because something fell through the cracks or what was, what's that experience like? Totally. When I came back from maternity leave last fall, that's kind of when our last blog manager was transitioning to his new thing. So I took it back after being gone for three months. So I was trying to like get back into like, what's work? What's a daily routine again? What's it like being by myself? And like, just trying to get back into that working mindset, trying to get caught up on all things ConvertKit. So much had changed in the three months that I was gone, trying to figure out like, what roles am I supposed to be doing? And then on top of that, oh, I'm managing the blog again. Mm. And... (laughs) Our previous blog manager had done such a great job of like taking over while I was gone and he took over so much stuff for me and I was so thankful. But because of that, there was like a lot that needed to be caught up on for the blog because he wasn't full time for us. Like we didn't ask him to do that. So it took a solid like 
two months of working really, really, really hard to get a month ahead of schedule and to keep that month ahead of schedule. Like I was, I was asking writers, like, can you do tight deadlines for a little bit? Can we just like try to like bulk up our backlog of content that's ready to go so that we're not so scrambled? Because at that point we were like barely getting things ready by the published date. So yes, it happens. (laughs) And, And you just have to front load a lot of work to make sure that the, the future you is happy. Wow. Okay. I feel like what you just shared then really showed how important the buffer is if you're going to run an online publication or like a large scale blog, because you mentioned that before, like, yeah, you were a month ahead, but now what I'm hearing is that is very intentional and you know that month is so important (laughs) and that maybe that's the takeaway creators should have is if you want to do a larger scale thing, you need to be like a month ahead to give yourself that buffer. Yes. Yes. And we also have like alternate content where if something doesn't work out last minute, we have another piece of content that we can publish that day. So there's, it's not like a blank space coming out. Having backups is, and that buffer is really important. What tools do you use to manage all this? Cause I just feel like that's, this is just so much stuff. There's like <laughs> so many articles at all at different <laughs> stages and different people working on each. How do you work on it with your team? We are all in Monday right now. We made that transition last fall and it's been really nice. Even like our imagery is starting to move to Monday. Thank you to Claire, our blog manager for tightening things up. So we're not in all different tools, but yeah, we have boards for each month. Each article is a task and it has sub items and everybody's tagged and due dates and it's very well organized. So that's like the source of truth for yes. for managing the blog. I like it. Nice. Yeah. I pop in there every day. Like, did that publish yesterday? Yes, it did. Green, nice. green blocks, <laughs> green blocks everywhere. <laughs> that's what we want to see. <laughs> well, yeah. I love to see the green blocks. What about the strategy side of this? Because now obviously that's where the main role you're playing in our blog is like, what is, what are we even writing about? What are our articles about and who are we helping What's the general vibe of them as well? Any advice on that side of things for someone to think about? I tend to think about things an individual piece of content at a time when I'm making my own stuff. And so I think that's something I would struggle with if I was to take my site, for example, and want to turn it into more of a general like marketing design blog instead of a personal blog. So selfish question, but would love to hear your perspective (laughs) on the strategy side of things. (laughs) Yeah, I think you need like multiple points like goals you're trying to hit. Mm-hmm. So like for us, I think about product, I think about creators, I think about business needs. Mm-hmm. So what could I push to further GMV? What could I push for like what what are creators talking about? And then from that, just like scour the internet for what are other people talking about? Try to get ideas from that. Uh, look at Twitter. And then it's just like brain dumping all the time, like and trying to connect pieces. Like, If we're going for coaches and we're trying to increase our GMV, how can I put those two into an article over and over and over again? Like, what are the alternates to that? Mm. Like different spins, thinking about like the alternate approach. Like if we're talking about this is the way to do it, is there a way, another way to do it that we haven't talked about? Like we had one article that was like, why you shouldn't sell eBooks on Amazon? And it had great traffic because most people are like, sell your eBooks on Amazon. Mm. And this one was like, why you should not. Hmm. So think about the the why you should not. And is that applicable to how you run your business? Oh, that's interesting. Something that uh, I was thinking about hearing you talk about that is, so this blog obviously is in service of ConvertKit and what ConvertKit is doing and creators in general. So if someone is 
running a blog and uh, you're trying to grow an audience, typically that's not usually in service of a larger entity like it's happening here. So in cases like that, where the blog is not necessarily in service of something else, but is in service of itself, do you find yourself thinking that way when it comes to like the growth of the blog itself, like the the strategy for increasing the audience of the blog? Or do we just rely at this point, we've kind of transitioned over to like, okay, ConvertKit is a little bit more established, so we can just kind of lean on that a little bit. Or does the blog itself have to do work for getting known, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's, it's been off and on. Um, with the change of Google algorithms, we've been hit a couple times, to be honest, and our our search intent isn't what it used to be. But I've recently been kind of changing my mind about how I view SEO keywords. As I've been changing my mind, I've actually been seeing a lot of other creators talking about the same thing. Ooh. So for established brands like us, we've been around for a long time. We've written big articles. We don't have a lot of those like basic keywordy articles to write anymore. We've written them all. We're not going to write a 2000 word article on landing pages <laughs> that will get us on page one of Google because we've already written it. Mm-hmm. We can refresh that content, but we can't rewrite it and, and get that new search. So instead of like worrying about keywords and intent like that, I've been more focused on what do creators need? Mm. And just focusing on that, like, who cares if it's a search word? If I've heard from like, members in our community, if I've heard from our sales team, that these things, if I've I've heard from Angel, who does our creator education, that these questions are coming up in workshops, like I'm going to write about that, who cares if if it's searchable? I just I know that creators are asking for that. Mm. Oh, there's so much freedom in that. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I think more so than like, get in SEMrush and look at your keywords. Like, yeah, that's important, especially if you are new, like you need to think about those kinds of things, but more so like know your audience and know what they're asking for. Mm. That's great advice. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think that could apply to YouTube as well, honestly, as I'm thinking about it. It's kind of what I do with my videos is make like, here's what I think people need to hear about. It's probably not the like top search for topic, but I'm going to make it anyway. Yeah. Uh, And like sometimes those videos are the ones that Maybe they don't hit straight away, but they get, they pick up traction along the line because Mm -hmm. eventually other people figure out that they need it too. Yep. (laughs) And like for you, if that's something that you struggled with in your design career, like Mm. someone else is going to struggle with it too at some point, you know? Mm -hmm. So you might as well make that content because it'll live forever. Yeah. And that's why, like you were talking about before, that knowing what creators need is so important for you and that having the space to be talking to our team about this, to be like hearing what creators are up to. Mm feeds into that strategy. Whereas if you were just focused on writing, keywords would probably be all you had to pull from because it's like a quick, easy thing to just see. Here's a list of available terms. 100%. Yeah. I honestly have thought someday about turning inside marketing designers, my like podcast, and I have a newsletter to do with it, turning it into more of like a less of a me focused publication type thing. Cause mm-hmm. right now I just have a personal blog, like you said. So yeah, this has been very useful, Danny. Did you have any last questions for Danny Miguel before we, before we close out? 
No, sorry. So you caught me off guard because I was I was listening so <laughs> intently to what you were talking about, and it made me think of something really interesting, and I was just like lost in thought. Okay, well, share the thing that was interesting. Is it safe for, for sharing on the show? <laughs> okay, okay, I'll bite. So it's funny when you're talking about brands when the brands are centered around a person mm-hmm. as opposed to like an idea. So like you're talking about like mostly right now your brand is mostly centered around you. Yeah, and it started me thinking of like. Like, you know, there's like certain YouTube people, like if you've heard of like MKBHD, like he's a big YouTuber and he does like tech reviews and stuff like that. And I mean, he's essentially like the brand, like he is the brand. Yeah. If for some reason he were to fall ill or whatever, like would they still crank out videos, you know, like, and it's not just for like, he's out sick and they can't create stuff. It's just like, it's interesting when someone's trying to change the brand away from being centered around a person. And more about like an idea, like why couldn't that brand just do tech videos and maybe some of the guys from behind the camera would not be in front of the camera or like Mm. how you transition away from from that. That was what I was thinking about. It almost has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but you. No, I think it does. (laughs) Honestly, Miguel, because I think that if a creator is a blogger and wants to build their blog and like, well, maybe their blog is serving their business like as a part and maybe the blog isn't like the center of it. And they want it to be less focused on them, maybe to free up time, like Danny was talking about, and not have to be the one writing at all. Because if it's a personal blog, I think it's really weird when you have like a ghost writer or like a guest writer on your personal blog. I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it's good a fit. So if you turn it into something that's more of a publication and more of like a brand of its own within your business, that could be the way for you to get out of that content hamster wheel, you know, to do that. So honestly, I think you were more on topic than you realized. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like you'd have to try and dig into like, what is it that makes people want to come to me? Because he's using the same example of that, of of MKBHD. It's like, there's tons of tech reviews. And Mm. whenever Apple releases a product, of course, he releases a video about it. But so does does 5,000 other people. So why am I going to watch his review about the Apple Studio display and not somebody else's? There must be something about him or the way he shoots his videos or like, but like drilling down into the thing that makes people come to you as opposed to the competition Mm. and then like really figuring that out and then finding a way to turn that into something else that isn't centered around a person helps you kind of like do what Danny did and kind of like back away from being the one cranking out three articles a week. You know what I mean? And then like, but still keep the, the, the spirit of what she was doing in those articles. So it doesn't like people come next week and they're like, Oh, this isn't an article written about Danny. It's, Mm. I really liked the way she wrote. I really like her style, the way she presented things. This feels weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I just, I'm laughing slightly because I'm remembering all of the, um, I get pitches for guest posts on my blog all the time. And I'm like, you have not read my blog because my blog is like, here's a review of my 2021. And like, you know, very, very much centered around my life. And I'm like, no, your, your post about marketing tactics is not going to be a good fit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But getting off topic, Danny, any last words of advice for creators on this? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Just if you are planning on doing it, make sure to take time to set up style guides If you're starting to hire people and you want the same voice, like Miguel was saying, like you need to be able to show them what that is. Be okay with, you know, not publishing things if they don't turn out right, but still pay, you know, be fair to the creators that you hire and just be honest and and learn to trust, learn to lead with your heart. I like that. And it sounds like the style guide you're talking about is 
would that be doing what Miguel said about MKBHD, like digging in on what it is that makes yeah. a post my post and like let's pull that stuff out and make sure that the writers know to include it. Yeah, yeah. Why Why is your audience coming to you? Like, mm-hmm. is it because you're a straight talker? Is it because they? it sounds like it's coming from a friend? Do you use GIFs? Like, <laughs> do they comment on certain aspects of your blog posts um, and make sure that your writers understand that and can flow with that? I love it. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you for everything you shared, Danny. It's nice to like, honestly, even just dig in, ask your teammate and colleague and hear more details on what you work in every day. Yeah. So- Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This was lovely. You're welcome. Next week, we're going to do an article discussion. I actually won't be here for it. So Haley and Miguel will be diving into this, maybe with a guest. <laughs> we'll see what they decide. But um, it's an article with the headline, very catchy headline, your attention didn't collapse, it was stolen. Ooh. So stay tuned to talk about that next week um, we'll see you back here we do not have a listener shout out today i realized today that we have not been including the link to our shout out form in the podcast show notes itself so it's convert k.it slash listener shout out and hopefully from this episode we will now have it in the notes for you to actually click on share a success with us big or small whether it's like a little milestone you hit, something you got over, a challenge you got past, something you launched. We want to hear about it. We want to tell other people about it as well. So let us be proud of you and uh, yeah, share your wins. But thank you for being here, everybody. We'll see you next week and uh, have a good one. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.